0: So hi, my name is Nick Craig, and this is the Leading from Purpose podcast. I'm here with Mike Schneider. Mike is someone I've known for probably ten years, um, and he is the CEO of Bunnings. Bunnings, for those of you who are not from Australia, is as popular and well known as probably Home Depot and Lowe's, but it's sort of the combination of both because it's even better than both of those guys, and it pretty much is the biggest, most successful box retailer in Australia. Has gotten numerous awards. It's probably one of the most purpose-driven organizations I've worked with over many of the years that I've done this, and that's including the Legos and the Ben and & Jerry. So that's really saying something. So I'm really excited to have you here today with me, Mike. Welcome.
1: Thanks, Nick, and it's lovely to catch up with you. And, yeah, it's amazing how fast 10 years goes by, right?
0: Exactly. We look exactly the same as we did 10 years ago. That's the most amazing
1: Right. I, I wish. I'm glad this is a podcast.
0: <laughs> so as we talk this through, um, let's start with what your purpose is, Mike.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, my purpose is to be a force for positive change for people, business and the community. And and really that's come around from, you know, being pretty close to 50 and working out, you know, in my life the things that I really value versus the things that I don't. Um and as those that have participated in programs such as the one that you run, you realise that the road you're on is is one that twists and turns for better and worse over time um, and where I sort of find myself at the moment is living a life that is very much one of choice and belief. And I guess for me in, in realising this, it's helped me reset uh, my beliefs and, and really I, I mean that in the sense of, you know, coming from a sort of a want more mindset to a, to a do more and, and, and be
0: more and, and help more mindset. A little more about what you mean by that, because you know, in some sense, when I first met you, my experience of you was of uh somebody who is awake, bright, engaged. And that was before we actually we figured out any of this stuff we talked we, you were just talking about. And so, how do you see that this clarity of what, what your purpose is has been helpful to you?
1: It really made me stop and think. You know, I think we often look back at our life and we, we reflect on it and, and we think about it. And and quite often when we talk about it, we talk about um you know perhaps what i call the, the highlights reel we talk about all the things that are really good you know many people in leadership roles get asked regularly about the things that they did in their career to get them to where they got and you, you spend a lot of time sort of talking about all the, the good things and the positive things and the opportunities when you're more reflective and you're more genuine in in that contemplation you, you sort of see the valleys as well as the peaks and you reflect on the things that at both those that, that define you to an extent and yeah, I think that that term "crucible moment" is a really important one because you know it's in it's in those that you really do see elements of, of I guess the, the true you. And and what I found is that by constantly reflecting and reviewing, and not not every five minutes, but certainly you know periodically throughout a year or over a number of years, that purpose statement and, and you know this from from knowing me for so long, it it, it matures and and refines being you know, at the core of. Core of it has probably always been, you know, the C-word change. It's always been about constant change and, and growth. And I felt find myself very much at home in the Bunnings organization because of that, because I think it's an organization that continues to change. And I think that that bit where I talked about wanting more, you know, to, to doing more. I grew up in a, you know, in, in a family unit that was incredible for the love and care that mum and dad showed to me, but it was, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, a, a poor household. Not as most poor kids realize when they get older that you, you know it was poor at the time because the environment felt good you felt loved you felt cared for but I had had a, had a dad that was really sick I had a mum that was at home caring for him and they they depended on you know social welfare to to put food on the table and, and send my brother and I to school. so naturally you look at all the things you don't have as you get a little bit older and that's where a little bit of that want more came from and some of my early ambition, Probably came from a sense of either self-validation or overcoming challenges in in my childhood to you know wanting to prove to people that I could I could do something meaningful. And you get you get a little bit older and you get hopefully a little bit wiser and you realize that once you have got a whole lot of physical tangible stuff, whether it's a nice car, or a nice house, you can go to nice restaurants or have nice holidays, that you know that's okay. But it, it lacks depth, it lacks purpose, and it lacks meaning and. When our trajectories collided a decade or so ago, you know, and we had some of those conversations, and we had them with colleagues and, and peers that I work with, you know, it really hit home to me that what i what I'd been good at was actually improving myself and my opportunities. But in doing so, hundreds, if not thousands, of people had helped me on that journey, and the want more that that gear shift to to do more, help more, you, you know, pay forward really has defined how I view leadership and, you know, as as some of my colleagues will attest to, you know, often drive them nuts with introductions to people who've reached out, whether it's on LinkedIn or through other networks or uh, referrals, because I I have a very strong belief that it's as easy to say yes to helping people as it is to say no, Uh, and the reward is always greater if you can see that Opportunities are created for people that perhaps wouldn't have had them if you hadn't been there to help them along, just as I've benefited from many, many people in my life who've done that for me.
0: I think it's powerful that distinction you're talking about for all of us. I was at a, a wedding this weekend and there was a, a bunch of people there who were in their mid 20s. And as they were talking to me, the conversation ended up going to sort of what their aspirations were for what they really wanted. And it, and it was the, the acquisition of things was part of what they were sort of talking about. And I was thought it was like, oh, yeah, you know, I forgot what it was like to be in my 20s when there was all these other people that had things that I didn't have that I wanted to have. And then the realization of that meaning that, 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 that I wish I could give them that thing where they would just get to that other place where they realized that that wasn't the place to be. But I think in some sense, your story that you just told is even more profound because you came from a place of not having all those things and then coming in a system where you had the option of having all those things and shifting that to how do you help others is such a powerful power. It's just shifted from the I to the we orientation. Now for you, I, in some sense, my sense, the reason that we uncovered that as an expression of your purpose was because it was already there. And it wasn't like you, you switched from off to on. And my sense is, is it was there, but, I also think that in some ways what happened is, is that you gave it more of a chance to show up, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, no, it does, Nick, and I think I was fortunate that, you know, my, my colleagues who introduced this authentic leadership model to the, to the Bunnings Leadership Framework, you know, took a lot of courage and wisdom because it's certainly, you know, from my experience of Australian business it wasn't necessarily to say everyone you know i think a lot of people talk today in 2021 about authentic leadership authenticity being yourself and you know clearly we've all had our lives tipped on our heads the last you know 18 or so months with with this pandemic and and that's probably caused some of that introspection but to have the the courage and wisdom to introduce it when it was done uh was fantastic because i think you're right it probably was always there and a lot of the personality profiles and things I've done over the years, you know, point to me being a little bit more introverted than than other people, and that's probably a strength in in understanding yourself because you tend to to look inwardly at as your own thoughts. You tend to to, to be quite happy to sort of withdraw into your own space, and often that does lead to reflection. But I think to to uncover it, to talk about it, and and I, I guess to, to build up the courage to talk about it, because you're talking about things in your life that. People don't want to hear. You know, we live in a world of of clicks and likes and and shares where we all live our best life all the time, right? No, and then if someone posts something on any form of social media that's negative, you know, we tend to sort of scroll past that as quickly as we can because there's probably a, a little mirror looking back at us in terms of some of the challenges that we face. But I think to talk through those highs and those lows, um, you know, really was the, you know, sort of clearing of the the bushes and trees to be able to sort of view, view, see the view, if you like.
0: One of the questions around seeing the view from your perspective, you're one of the individuals that I knew before you were CEO. You're now CEO of Bunnings. I think when I first met, met you, you were in charge of stores. Yep. And I remember the desire that you had to someday become CEO. I remember having that conversation with you. So now you've been CEO. For how long have you been CEO?
1: Just over five years, I think. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, well, you've settled in, let's just say that. So how does purpose look different from now being CEO versus the part of you that was managing stores and wanting to be in this role?
1: It's a, it's a great question. I've been in this company for 16 years this month, I think it is, joined in, in August 2005, I should say. And I certainly didn't join Bunnings at the time to become a CEO. I joined from a business that was going out of business, selling into private equity, and I was a, a much younger person with much younger children and a wife and a mortgage, and um, you know, coming from a, a household that I touched on before, where you, you didn't have some of those things. You know, I was very conscious that I need to provide well for my kids and pay the mortgage and send them to school and do all the the things that you know people in the in the middle stages of their life often often are doing. But I did have the opportunity to sort of progress into, into the more senior parts of, of leadership at, at Bunnings. And that did give me a lens into you know, this idea of change and growth. And you know, the thing that's been I mean, fascinating for me is you know, this, this is a company that's 135 years old, but the the big box format that you touched on, you know, that's akin to a, a Home Depot or a Sodomac in South America or a B and Q in the UK. I only came to the Australian market sort of in the in the mid-90s, pioneered by by Bunnings and 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 one of our competitors. But what I could see is that it needed to change and evolve and grow if it was going to remain current for, for another 20 or 30 years. But I had the great opportunity to work with people who, who were effectively the founding parents of the Bunnings warehouse format. And I learned from them the stories of how they studied Home Depot and others and how they started a model and, and built the model and grew the model over time. And I've always viewed leadership a little bit like a like a relay race, you know, and I'm sort of reminded of that watching some of the track and field at the Tokyo Olympics on, on TV the last few nights. You know, you, you know in, in my job, I'm taking the baton from someone and I'm going to give the baton to someone. And if I do a good job, I get to run multiple laps. And if I don't do a good job, then the laps are, are less and you hand the baton off a little bit earlier. But, um, you know, I could see that the organisation could change. But in some ways, the perverse irony of, of it is that, there's always some element of trade-off on, on the way through. And I've always been very pragmatically minded, Nick, in, in or trying to be pragmatically minded in, in all things that that I do because sometimes the most practical outcomes aren't perfect, but they, they're good enough to, to move things forward. But, you know, I, I probably continue to sort of, you know, challenge and, and some of my earlier um, authentic leadership plans certainly had a lot more driving them from an agitation point of view and a cage-rattling point of view, and you, you'll remember some of the language from some of those. But it was all about wanting to agitate for for a better organisation and and in no way suggesting that it wasn't a great, great, great organisation I've been privileged to be a part of. But in coming into the role, the beauty is that there's only one, one CEO role or one managing director role in, in almost all organisations. There's obviously outliers where the job is shared or an interplay between executive management and, and a board but fundamentally it's a solo role which everyone talks about leadership being lonely and, and lonely at the top and there's certainly an element of truth in that but equally you're not competing with anyone for a job anymore you've got a job that you don't need to to trade off so suddenly you can be the most authentic version of yourself you know and I've really worked hard to to bring to bear some of the things that I place enormous value on which is that you, you want an inclusive culture. You want a culture where decision making is shared sensibly between you know people with a lot of wisdom and expertise in in their areas. People put down roots and grow fantastic careers in in your business and in your leadership team. And you are you are driving your team for you know constant improvement and, and change both for the the working uh, environment that they're operating in, but. Uh, in particular, for the customer environment, because if we if we don't do things right, then we lose the the right to be chosen first by our customers, and uh, you you end up in a very different financial spot, which you know tends to not be not be where a business would want to want to find itself. So for me, getting into the role, very much about being more myself than I could ever be, and I think the five years has been a. A really interesting journey. You know, we, we had not long acquired a business in in the United Kingdom when I came into the role. We made a decision to exit that business. That was long, hard, painful, and expensive for our shareholders, our business, uh, our leadership team, uh, and, and me personally. And, and there were significant personal sacrifices that came through that. But equally, uh, personal awakening to what I really wanted from the people in my life and the the people around me. And then I probably was starting to hit my stride late 2019 or so. And, you know, the world was telling you to look entirely at data and analysis and system and process to to sort of guide your thinking as as technology and access to information became bigger, faster, better than ever. And this little thing called COVID-19 turned up and you know, we were, we're suddenly back to having to rely on expertise and instinct to pivot and shift and change. And I think, again, being very comfortable in my own skin and the people around me being very comfortable with who their leader was as a person and as a leader uh, has helped us in some small way to navigate the challenges that we've been facing. I think where we find ourselves in August 2021 is an interim normal. I don't think we're in a new normal. And there's no doubt that the old normal is, is, is long gone. There are things we say, do, and ways we act now that two years ago we'd have would have looked at our future selves and thought, you're crazy. And here we are with with all these these norms that are that are different. And, uh, and that's going to continue to sort of shape the world and shape our business for the next, you know, decade, you could imagine, very easily.
0: So if we step back for a second and we say, well, your journey, and this is the piece you're talking about. And I think this last piece is really about how do you live in ambiguity and paradox and lead, which I think you do a beautiful job of describing. And in some sense for me that's essence of purpose is it's the solid foundation you can stand on and it's like how do you make decisions where there's no data that's going to help you is you've got to go to that place my sense is is that for everybody listening some people won't know what bunnings really is they're still trying to figure this out i'd like to take a step back and just have you just briefly describe sort of what is the uniqueness of what bunnings is as an organization that you you have become the Steward of.
1: yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting, interesting organisation. I've talked a little bit about the, the age of the business. You know, we we operate home improvement and outdoor living supply business to people like you and I, Nick. People that are doing things around around their home, whether it's uh, working from home, educating from home, doing activities in the garden, or repairing and maintaining a home. And um, we also supply to the to the pro or the trade company And about thirty five percent of our revenue. You know, is in in building material supplies for construction of of homes and you know, small to medium density you know apartment blocks and uh, and, and small factories and and the like. But you know, behind that is this um, beating heart of you know fifty thousand or so team members who who you know we've got rolling together uh, to deliver you know really positive outcomes for for customers. We believe very much in you know having a an offering for customers that is a really strong one. We believe very strongly in, in engaging and motivating and driving our team and our team and its culture is the hardest thing to, to replicate. You know, you can sell you can sell product at a low price, you can sell a variety of product, you can sure. build big warehouses, but if you haven't got an engaged and motivated team, you're going to fall pretty flat on your face, I believe, pretty quickly. I think importantly for the business, you know, it's about doing things that build trust. So, you know, we work hard to, to earn the trust of our customers and the trust of our team and the trust of government and, and regulators. And if if those three things come together in the right ways, you deliver really long-term value for customers in the value proposition in store, for your shareholders in the in, the, in the financial returns. But beyond that, the purpose of the organisation really is about inspiring people to have you know this really red-hot go. And, you know, that, that transposes our team, you know, building great careers. Retail is a fantastic employment environment for going from an entry-level role to a, to a C-suite role. You know, it's, it's one of the few industries where I believe you can genuinely, in, in the modern-day world, go from being a, a shop assistant or a team member on the shop floor to being an executive um, around, around the board table. And we've got dozens of stories of that, you know, even today in the Bunnings organisation, it inspires customers to take a house and turn it into a into a home, uh, to personalize that space to make it a space that's a sanctuary from the craziness of the world, somewhere you can work, somewhere you can educate your kids if you need to, you know, and and, and really build a sense of pride around the, the small family community that, that you build. And, and equally it's about you know inspiring people to start a trade or undertake an apprenticeship and and start a small business and, and and build a business. So to me. That purpose is really clear and for us it creates this fantastic spot on the wall that we're, we're aiming for and, and that was really sharpened at the outset of COVID. You know, at the outset of COVID we had no idea if we'd be allowed to trade, we had no idea whether we'd have a business on the other side of it. Planning for your own demise certainly sharpens your focus on doing all the things you can to, to earn the right to be be open, look after your, your workforce and make sure they're cared for at a really uncertain time. You know, I'm sure it was the same in the in your part of the world as it was in ours but there was plenty of media commentary about mass job losses and uh you know rising unemployment recession depression uh everyone loves a, a good negative headline and, and our team was scared and and by creating that reassurance that we understood our purpose we understood what we were going after we actually lost even more from them than we thought and that's been a, a huge component of what makes us us but what what's also made us you know, what I believe is successful through such a challenging period.
0: So can you restate what funding's purpose is? The purpose is to inspire people to have a hot go. In some sense, that's what you do for the employees as well as anybody that walks through the door. Hmm? 100%. And so when you look at your response to COVID versus other companies' response to COVID, how do you feel yours was different?
1: I think organizations have done amazing things right across industry sectors, banks suspending loan repayments, governments putting additional funding into the into the community to protect people who were in industries that, that lost jobs. Uh, we, we certainly scoured the globe, engaged deeply with government and health professionals to make sure that the COVID safety measures that we have, that our customers see when they shop in store, are industry leading, uh, they're acknowledged as industry leading. They've been designed to keep our team safe, keep our customers safe. I think our ability to, you know, boring as it sounds, remain in stock of products has been critical because people have needed to repair their homes, people have spent more time in their home than they ever have before. They've had to set up home offices, home classrooms, you know, and you know, effectively build, you know, the fortress of, of your home. And I think, you know, that availability for for essential products and and products to keep you active physically and mentally through such a stressful time has been, you know, really, really important. And and working with government to to remain open for our customers has been, you know, vitally important for reassuring the community that they're able to do do those things. I think the things we've been able to do for our team have been incredible. You know, through 2020, we actually hired 10,000 people. Uh, you know, we went from sort of 40,000 to 50,000 team members and creating jobs for people who'd lost them in the airline industry or the travel industry or the hospitality industry made me really proud because we... We gave people hope and we gave people opportunities for jobs uh, when the things that they would be doing normally weren't weren't available for them. And I think that's been a, a really good news story. And we've obviously kept our team safe and we've recognised and rewarded our team with, um, you know, financial and non-financial benefits to thank and recognise them for the really challenging and, you know, at times stressful work that they've done. You know, I think retail workers the world over have been, you know, very much frontline you know, in in the the economic battle that's been fought alongside the health battle that's been fought and, and often at times they've endured behaviour and reaction from customers who are anxious and nervous about the things going on around them that you know sadly we would we don't want them to endure, but they've endured them and 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 handled that with you know dignity and professionalism, which which makes me super proud.
0: And the other thing that I don't think most people would know is that in Australia, you employ the largest number of retired people of any organization, correct?
1: Yeah, I think we're, we're Australia's largest employer of, of over 50, so we've got a job waiting for you if you can get into Australia, that's
0: for sure. That is great. I'm looking forward to that. But in some ways, they're also that was the population that was most impacted by COVID as well, so you had a double responsibility. You weren't dealing with people who the average age was 30. You had a lot of people who were, who were more than 50, so... That how did you take care of your employees so that they could feel safe to take care of the customers was not a trivial activity given they're the more susceptible population. Yeah.
1: What, what I realized is we had, uh, I think it was close to 1,000 of our team aged over 70. And clearly that's a, that's a group that was identified as as higher risk. So at, at times where we've needed to, we've actually paid them to stay home and that's not something that they necessarily wanted to do because they, they love being around their teammates and everything else. But we value their contributions uh, so much that we didn't want them in any way, shape, or form uh, exposed to that risk. So we would have them work from home, and you know where we could, we'd, we'd find other work for them with our with our call centers and and things like that. But the real value for us in this segment of our team is, is in two parts: uh, incredible. Work. And, um, mentors and, and coaches to our younger team, but equally, you know, incredibly important in the engagement with customers because what we all know as we get a bit older is we get life skills and life experience behind us and that ability to show customers tips and, and tricks and shortcuts to do things around the home based on that, that practical experience, uh, you know, is such an important uh, differentiator from us uh, in terms of creating confidence with our customers in the products and services that we we provide.
0: It's a great story. It's beautiful. And I would not have expected anything less than that from you and the crew, given my experience of working with the whole of you. Oh, my, my final question for you is, it's hypothetical, but I always find the answer to this really powerful. What do you think would have not happened if you had not had clarity about your purpose and its impact over the last 10 years?
1: I think I would have traveled a very different path. Now. I love that movie, Sliding Doors, right? At least the... Uh... The, the sort of metaphor that that sort of sits behind that, that, you know, in, in a moment, your life can go on a really different path. You know, what, what would I have become professionally? What would have happened outside of work with family? What I, what I do believe is that I potentially get to the, the other end of my life and, and look back and go, I wish I'd done lot other stuff. I wish I'd done more. I like to believe that the path I'm on, I'm going to get to the other end and go... That was embarrassing, it was awkward, but I won't have died, died wondering. Um, and to me, that's the, that's the cool bit of that, that moment in time where we sat in that, that crazy little conference venue out in the hills outside of Melbourne and, and spent a few days getting to know ourselves and, and, and our colleagues that little bit better and challenging ourselves to, to do more for ourselves. the end of the day people will will form their own views on that and and that's that's great and you gotta be able to answer the question in in your own mind have i done have i done the things that i wanted to do and and no one else gets to to make that judgment but yourself and often you're the the harshest one so it's good to set a pretty high benchmark
0: i've been grateful and whenever i've been in melbourne i always make sure that you and i have gotten a chance to sit down and go for lunch or do something and just chat together i just personally have always felt an affinity for who you are as a person.
1: It's a shame that at the moment those sort of interactions seem seem a long way in the future, but I'm sure with modern science and hopefully some elected and non-elected officials working in a pragmatic way, that'll, that'll happen sooner rather than later.
0: That's for sure. And I just want to thank you for spending this time with not just me, but those listening to our time together. And just being able to be with somebody who's just... From my experience of you, has always been that you're available to have a conversation with. You're just a normal guy. And you, anybody can have a conversation with you, I'm sure, it Bunnings and feels comfortable doing so. There's no pretense in any way. And Mike's ex- sense always is that you are extremely smart, extremely committed, and just really a real person. I just want to thank you for sharing yourself with all of us today. So we will be doing more of these, and I look forward to listening and hearing from all of you as we. Go on this journey of the Leading from Purpose podcast. So, I mean, you have a beautiful day, and we'll catch all of you in a little while when we do one of these again.